My favorite way to unwind and dive into something more fun is June's Journey. The game lets me channel my inner detective and unlock compelling stories, strong female characters, and a mystery I want to solve. If you like true crime podcasts, it's the perfect game to play along while you listen. The Hidden Object Mystery Game will put your detective skills to the test in the roaring 1920s. You play as June Parker as she tries to solve her sister's murder and along the way uncovers family secrets. Chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Mystery, danger, romance all await you if you download the game now. I'm on chapter four and wondering how these clues will help me crack the case of who did it and why. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. If you love Snapped, Women Who Murder, you're going to love listening to true crime or mystery titles on Audible. The audio title I'm diving into again is one of my favorites to revisit, Mindhunter by John Douglas and Mark Ulshaker. Even if you think you know the details of the cases, former FBI unit chief John Douglas took on from documentaries or the scripted show, the audio title goes above and beyond in bringing you along with him in his career, trying to catch serial killers and serial perpetrators. He used psychological profiling to dive into the minds of notorious criminals. The title includes his hunt for a killer in Alaska, the Green River Killer, and so much more. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. It is the home of storytelling after all. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. Places in which so many put their trust and lives. Hospitals. The idea of having a serial killer in the healthcare industry. It's tragic. All have to deal with hospitals. Everyone, at some point in time in their life, puts their life in the hands of others. We are not looking for predators among this population. We know that nurses are supposed to be healing patients. Instead, use their power to kill them. The nurse was like a shadow in the corner. The angel of death, Charles Cope, killed dozens and dozens of sick patients. Very few healthcare serial killers actually have mercy as their motive. This was a man who had a lot of loss in his life. He felt as if he had been betrayed by the hospital system. Charles Cullen exploited the trust that is part of many healthcare industries in order to carry out his crimes. Charles Cullen, you stole the last years of my father's life. This individual has escaped authorities for 17 years. Charles Cullen is probably one of the most prolific serial killers the world has ever known. But when you start looking at why he did this, that's when the case gets really perplexing. It's a dirty, dark secret.
calling from Somerset Medical Center. We're trying to investigate a ditch toxicity that occurred in a patient in our critical care unit. This person went into ditch toxicity and actually expired. His ditch jumped from 1.33 to 9.61 in a day, which is kind of unusual. Oh, this is the police matter. You have reported to the police. This is a huge issue. In 2003, I was contacted by Somerset Medical Center. My name is Tim Braun. I was one of the lead detectives in the Charles Cohen investigation. Somerset asked me to investigate the death of a patient that did occur in their facility. In June of 2003, Florian Gall went to the Somerset Medical Center critical care unit he was a Catholic church official who was in his 70s. My name is Jeff Mulvihill, and I was one of the lead reporters covering the Charles Cullen case with the Associated Press. Florian was on a breathing machine to help treat his pneumonia. He was on the road to recovery and discharge after his terrible illness. But on June 28th, 2003, Reverend Gall suddenly went into cardiac arrest and died. Because he did not have any type of heart issues. It was unusual, which rose suspicion within the hospital administration to look into these matters. An autopsy was conducted. It turned out his digoxin levels were off the chart. Digoxin is a drug that can either save your life or end it. My name is Dr. Harry Millman, and I'm a toxicologist. Digoxin is used primarily for patients who suffer from congestive heart failure. When you give too much of digoxin, the heart will be doing a lot of extra work. And as a result, you're going to have a heart attack Gull's death was a big problem for Somerset Medical Center. This was not the first digoxin overdose. Somerset Medical Center had been conducting an internal investigation for several months. They were in particular looking into five suspicious occurrences. Three of the patients had abnormal levels of insulin in their system. And in two other cases, there were indication of extreme high levels of the Johnson. After five suspicious deaths, Somerset medical officials fear a dark pattern is emerging. And so they call in the police department to investigate. Our investigative team were summoned to a meeting that took place in a conference room at Somerset Medical Center. At that early stage, we weren't quite sure if this was an intentional act by an individual or some sort of a medical mystery type of a case. We did investigate nursing staff on the critical care unit where all these events were occurring. We recognized that a nurse named Charles Cohen was not at any one hospital for any long period of time. Charles Cullen worked as a nurse for 16 years at eight different hospitals between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And that alone raised suspicions. I'm Dr. Casey Jordan, a criminologist who specializes in the study of violent crime. 
including healthcare serial killers. So we began to focus on Cullen actually quite early. But when mentioning Charles Cullen's name, the hospital did emphasize that he did not appear to have any type of direct involvement with the case. They said he was a hard worker. Cullen related well to people he worked with, although he sort of seemed like an underdog to even the people who liked him. Charles Cullen was born and raised in West Orange, New Jersey, which was economically challenged. I'm Dr. Katherine Ramsland. I'm an expert on serial murder, and I wrote a book about healthcare serial killers. Cullen was a late-life child in an Irish Catholic family with eight brothers and sisters. When Charles was only seven months old, his father died and his mother had to raise him on her own. His mother had a few part-time sewing jobs, and so he came essentially from a, a real disadvantaged place. Cullen described his childhood as miserable, as a family without a lot of money. His siblings were much older. They weren't a huge part of his life all of the time. Into this house came all kinds of people visiting his brothers and sisters, men in and out who were strangers, who were potentially dangerous. There was an abusive boyfriend of one of his sisters, and he put lighter fluid into that guy's drink because he didn't like him. So we already know that as a kid, he doesn't have any hesitation going over the line morally to hurt somebody. Colin attempted suicide several times, including once when he was just nine years old, when he drank chemicals from a chemistry set. He was obviously a very troubled child, but the worst thing to ever happen to him occurred when he was a teenager. When Charles was in high school, his mother was in an accident and died. He was devastated, but also angry because when he got the call from the hospital, they at first didn't tell him that his mother was dead, giving him some hope that she was going to recover. And then he finds out not only is she dead, but her body's already been taken away. So he felt as if he had been betrayed by the hospital system. This was a turning point for Charles. He became very angry and lost. His father had died before he ever even had a memory of him. His mother dies in this horrific car accident. This would leave anyone angry, but for Charles, he was very angry at God. Why was he suffering so much loss? After his mother died, he dropped out of high school. Cullen didn't really know what he was gonna do with his life because of all the loss he had experienced. He felt out of control, helpless, and disempowered. He wanted to re-exert power. So he went into a nursing school. Coming up, Charles Cullen murdered my mother. You've bloodied and stained the medical profession. The victim's families come face to face with the killer himself. I want you to die tomorrow because you know what? There ain't no doors out of hell, babe. In October 2003, 
Somerset Medical Center is the last stop on Nurse Charles Cullen's killing spree. And the first time investigators finally get involved in the case. But with no real evidence against him, detectives dig deeper into his personal life. They see his father had died before he ever even had a memory of him. His mother dies in this horrific car accident. Because of all the loss he had experienced, Cullen felt out of control, helpless, and disempowered. He wanted to re-exert power. So he went into a nursing school. While Cullen was in nursing school, he worked several jobs, one restaurant. The only thing he liked about the job was his boss there, Adrian. Cullen and Adrian had a fast courtship. They were engaged after only about six months. They were married shortly after he finished nursing school in 1987 and 1988. Cullen's first daughter was born. This had to add all kinds of life-changing stress that he just wasn't prepared for. He developed a serious problem with alcoholism. He became a secret alcoholic just to endure the life that he had chosen that he hated. He would tell his wife he wasn't drinking when he was. At the same time, Cullen starts his first nursing job at St. Barnabas Hospital. A few months after Cullen's first child, 72-year-old John Yango was admitted to St. Barnabas Medical Center. John Yango is a father of four and a retired municipal court judge. He enters the hospital after some medication triggers an allergic reaction. He had a healthy heart. Charles Cullen was on duty, and Yango was expected to make a full recovery. But instead, he died. In 1988, this was the first suspicious death under Cullen's care. At first, the hospital just assumed that Yango died of an allergic reaction. But after the toxicology report came back, they found that he had an unusually high level of insulin in his blood. We found out that at the time Cullen was working there, St. Barnabas Medical Center had quite an extensive internal investigation looking into several suspicious overdoses and deaths that did occur in their facility. And furthermore, Cullen was the primary target of their internal investigation. Every time there was a suspicious death, it turned out Cullen was working. We found that information to be quite valuable. It rose further suspicion. The hospital let him go without proper notification to law enforcement and other agencies. Now hot on Cullen's trail, investigators question the person closest to him during his five years at St. Barnabas. During the course of our investigation, I actually spoke to his wife. It did not appear as though she was surprised by our looking into his suspicious activity. She was aware of the internal investigation at St. Barnabas. 
and she did express that the marital relationship was quite strained. She did provide us a broader picture of the person we were looking at. He was not really cut out to be a husband or a father. He was neglectful of the children, leaving them alone when they were very young. And then his wife began to get nervous when a neighbor's dog wandered into their property. And the dog ended up getting poisoned. And she was afraid it was her husband who had done it. And if he could poison a dog, could he do that to them? The things that are risky in Cullen's life are the depression, the substance abuse, the manipulations, the lies, the secretiveness. They don't necessarily say he's going to commit a crime, let alone become a killer. But these are all warning signs of somebody who's at risk for becoming a psychopath. And that's exactly what's happened. Terrified of her husband, Adrian divorces Charles Cullen in 1992. And at the same time, he starts a new job at Warren Hospital in New Jersey. Warren Hospital is the second hospital that Cullen is employed by. Because his record doesn't reflect any wrongdoings, administrators are none the wiser about his brutal past. At this juncture, investigators are once again stunned at what they discover. They realize that after his wife filed divorce papers, two elderly women suspiciously die of digoxin overdoses at Warren Hospital. Detectives are now beginning to see a pattern between negative events in Cullen's personal life and suspicious deaths that have occurred. In 1993, 91-year-old Helen Dean is recovering well following breast cancer surgery. Her son was by her side throughout her treatment. One day, Cullen asked the son, Larry Dean, to leave the room. He did. When he returned, his mother said that the nurse had stuck her. A day later, she was dead. Larry Dean was convinced that Cullen had murdered his mother. Anyone who's been a patient in a large hospital knows that people come in and out constantly. A healthcare serial killer will take advantage of that because they can easily enter a room and do whatever they want. Usually, patients just passively take the care they're given. The hospital authorities suspected the drug overdose, and so they tested her biological fluids for 100 different drugs. But with the toxicology exam, they did not specifically look for Dijoxin, which ultimately was his drug of choice for Miss Dean. But Charles Cullen is once again the main focus of the investigation. Warren Hospital questioned Cullen about Dean's death. He denied that he'd done anything. They even gave him polygraph tests, which he passed. And that actually is not uncommon with serial killers. They have this pall of denial in the interest of self-preservation. They weren't able to pin him with any deaths, so they allowed him to resign and move on. When he gets away with it, now he will develop this sense of narcissistic immunity that, wow, I can do this, I have the power to do this, and they can't touch me. Charles Cullen is probably one of the most prolific serial killers the world has ever known. But when you start looking at why he did this, that's when the case gets really perplexing. 
This episode is brought to you by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. By 2003, Charles Cullen is a person of interest for mysterious deaths across eight different hospitals. Police still have no evidence to connect him with the murders. But after investigating his background, they've uncovered an unlikely pattern that pushes their suspicions over the edge. The police found such a high correlation between when his life went downhill and he was depressed and somebody dying. When his family life crumbled, Cullen didn't know how to cope. So anytime there was something going wrong in Charles Cullen's life, a patient died. This pattern becomes more and more evident the more the investigators are going from hospital to hospital tracking all of these mysterious deaths. After Charles Cullen left Warren Hospital, he moved on to Hunterdon Hospital in Flemington, New Jersey. Detectives see that now that he is divorced from his wife, he started dating a nurse in his new workplace. And there he had everybody fooled, including his girlfriend. They thought he was highly competent, extremely hard worker. And as far as we know, during that time frame, there were no suspicious deaths. A little over a year later, that all changes when his life goes into upheaval. In early 1996, Cullen's relationship with the nurse was on the rocks. He is a controlling person, and now he's feeling helpless. So he's looking for ways to restore his sense of power and control over his life. That's when he started killing again at Hunterton Medical Center. By July, there were five unexplained digoxin overdoses at Hunterton Medical Center. He was allowed to move on to another facility. Cullen knew that he could beat the system. He would leave a job when somebody was on to him. And he was always allowed to find another job. The more these hospitals dig, the more that they can stitch together that this could be the work of one of their employees. Having investigated Cullen's career up to Hunterdon Medical Center, detectives are certain he's the person responsible for the deaths but now they have to find physical proof in order to arrest him. They follow Cullen's trail to the fifth medical facility he moves to, Easton Hospital in Pennsylvania. 
1998, after Cohen had started working at Easton Hospital, he apparently had run into financial troubles because that was the year he filed for bankruptcy. And all of a sudden, patients start mysteriously dying at Easton Hospital. When we look at Cullen's timeline, you can actually see when something bad happens within a week or two, somebody dies. It's pretty clear that when things are failing in his life, when he's feeling disempowered, killing patients becomes much more the place of solace, of releasing the feelings of stress and also empowering himself. So it becomes more frequent the more his life fails. My father was a wonderful guy. We had lots of happy memories growing up in my house. My sister and I and my father played in the trombone choir in church. My father loved the church, and he taught us to love each other and treat each other with respect. I'm Christina Toth, and my father was Ottomar Schramm, the patient at Easton Hospital. My father was transported to Easton Hospital on December 29, 1998, because he was having seizures. In the emergency room, the nurse was kind of like a shadow in the corner. He just was standing there with his syringe and just watching us. At that point, I asked him what that was for, and he said it was in case my father's heart stopped. But I didn't think anything about it because I just wouldn't assume that anyone would want to hurt my dad. We expected my father to survive for sure, but he didn't seem to be recovering quickly enough. And then somebody ordered a blood test and he had been given an overdose of digoxin, which was a medication he should not have been given. My father was given four times the legal amount. I actually got a phone call from my father's doctor and he said, Chris, nobody would give him this, this drug here. It's not prescribed. He said, I don't know who gave him this drug. And then my dad passed away within another day. He never really came out of it. That's a night I'll never forget. I just miss being with him. I miss all the time we had. I feel like there's a part of my life that we didn't have, that never will have. Cullen consensually resigns from yet another hospital and in 2002 begins working at Somerset Medical Center, his eighth and final hospital. In 2001, Cullen's brother died of brain cancer. In the year that followed, a lot more patients died at his hand. That's when the law finally caught up with him. As we are gathering all the various information from uh, different healthcare facilities, personal background, it became obviously clear that we were looking at a serial killer. Authorities realized that he could have been responsible for up to 400 deaths. We knew that we had to stop him before he could murder any other victims. In 2003, investigators are determined to apprehend Charles Cullen. 
but they still don't have a concrete connection to the deaths. They take a new approach and turn to the one person close enough to him for help. Fellow critical care nurse, Amy Lofren. Amy is a nurse who is a very good friend of Charles Cullen and often works on the same shift. She gave him high accolades for his abilities. So when police approached her and said, we think he could be responsible for these deaths, she did not want to believe it. We presented Amy with a sheet, which happened to be uh, Cullen's Pixis printout. Pixis is a medication dispensing unit and has to be activated by a nurse with an ID along with the drug that is being requested. The computer has a log of every time it's in use, so the detectives were able to access Colin's activity. What they found was a lot of digoxin being dispensed. The police then showed Amy Charles Pixis activity. Amy took one look at that printout, and she knew. He would put in an order for digoxin and then cancel it, and then claim that it was just a mistake. But there were so many mistakes. He also requested drugs that shared the same drawer with digoxin. The inventory was never getting counted, and the machine just kept getting refilled. Amy instantly saw a pattern. She said, he's killing people. This wasn't just a coincidence or a few mistakes. This was murder. At that point, Amy agreed to help further our investigation by offering her assistance. What we came up with was a plan to lure Cullen to going to dinner with Amy, and at the same time, wear a body wire. Amy Lofren agrees to help detectives get a confession out of Cullen. After ordering, she looks him in the eye and she says, I know you killed those people. But he says, I'm not going down without a fight. It's not really an admission of guilt or a confession, but it was enough that the police could arrest him and start the interrogation so they could get a full confession. Moments after, Cullen was brought back to uh, homicide, where Detective Baldwin and I were awaiting his arrival. We just did not have the evidence to put Cullen in jail for the rest of his life. The evidence we needed was a confession. My name's Detective Sergeant Tim Braun. With me is Detective Dan Baldwin. We're both from the Somerset County Major Crimes Unit. And we are here today for the purpose of obtaining a voluntary tape statement from Mr. Cullen pertaining to the uh, death of Reverend Florian Gal. We are also here to speak to Mr. Uh, Cullen in reference to several other deaths that occurred at Somerset Medical Center and other medical and health care facilities. He was Mirandized and waived his rights and agreed to speak to us. They were hoping for a full confession, but they weren't really sure what they would get out of him. My intent was to decrease suffering in people. After 16 years of murdering patients across eight hospitals and staying out of the reach of law enforcement, Charles Cullen has finally been apprehended. 
However, detectives still need a confession in order to charge him with murder and seek a conviction. Mr. Cullen, I'm trying to get some detail here to help us as we progress with this investigation. You never yeah. tried or attempted to kill anyone? I mean, yeah. OK. When we asked about the murders, he did not admit his acts against uh, his victims. Charles, could you explain what Pixis is? It's a, a computerized medication dispensing machine. Right. Uh, Mr. Cullen, you went into the Pixis system to remove the Jackson. I can't give any specifics about that. This is your name, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. What would this be? Um, that's under the patient's name. In the activity column, there's a cancel remove. Yes. Does this at all help your recollection of this uh, uh, event? At that point, I think it was clear to him that we had enough evidence and that he was not going home. He was going to jail. He just kind of, in a sense, broke down. Um, you touched over there. Thank you. It's okay to try, Charles. Don't feel like you have to hold back. He said, I'm ready to talk. Mr. Cullen, had it been your intention to cause the death of the various patients? Yes, it was. Cullen did make his confession to Detective Baldwin and I, and he took us on a seven-hour journey through his career. How many patients have you helped to their death? Um, possibly 30 to 40 patients. Wow. 30 to 40 deaths. On that day, he said he killed up to 40 people over 16 years. But it's our strong belief that those numbers were much higher. In fact, in conjunction with the medical records, legal experts later on in the investigation confirmed that the numbers may be well into the hundreds. I just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. The question that arises out of all of this, uh, Charles, is the why. My intent was to decrease suffering in people I saw throughout my career. I didn't intend for these patients, these people, to suffer, and I kept on Going back to that behavior, I thought I could change. But I don't think I was capable of doing that. I couldn't seem to stop trying to do this. It was a dirty, dark secret. I know I have caused suffering for the family members that's, that, that lived through it. We'll never be certain of how many victims there actually were. Cullen made a deal with New Jersey prosecutors to spare him the death penalty. He initially said he 
believed he killed around 40 people. He pleaded guilty to 29 murders. Let's talk about the matter pertaining to Florian Gale. Are you responsible for his death? Yes, I am. And why is that, Charlie? Because uh, I injected him with a medication, medi medication called Dijoxin. He agreed to cooperate and identify his victims. At any time, was Miss Dean your patient? No, she was in the room of my patient. Was it your intent when you injected her? To... Yes, yes it was. Any particular reason why you uh, picked that individual knowing that she was on her way home? It was actually doing better? Um, well, if I remember her general status, that she wasn't doing well. He claimed that he was doing it to relieve people of their suffering. But as it turned out, in many cases, many of his victims were in nowhere near as critical condition as he claimed they were. In fact, several patients were preparing for discharge, and he just decided to take it upon himself to end their lives. Very few healthcare serial killers actually have mercy as their motive. It's my belief that Cullen's motivation behind his killings is his desire, his will, to exercise power and control in a, in a godly manner almost. This was a man who had a lot of loss in his life. From the time he was a baby, losing his father, losing his mother, losing his wife, he felt a sense of loss, of power and control in his life constantly, and didn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with it. All of his murders were simply the act of him playing God. It restored to him a sense that he could control at least his most immediate environment. What more power can someone have than over life and death? Murder generally falls under state law, so Cullen was charged in both New Jersey and Pennsylvania. A former nurse who claims he killed as many as 40, quote, very sick patients in New Jersey and Pennsylvania was charged today with murder. He said he did it to ease their pain and suffering. Following Cullen's guilty plea, the sentencing phase of his multiple murder case begins. The courtroom was filled with victims, victims' families, and onlookers. This was, was a hot ticket. I'm Gary Estek, attorney in Eastern Pennsylvania. I was local counsel uh, for the public defender who was representing Charlie Cullen. To him, he thought he was providing them with a merciful death and peace, at least from his side. Can't be judgmental about that. Or can you? All of the families knew that Charles Cullen is no angel of mercy. I filed a motion requesting that he be excused from sentencing. He already pled guilty. He already admitted to what he did. We knew what the result was going to be. We are here today to sentence the defendant, Mr. Charles Cullen. Mr. Cullen, are you ready to address society as a whole? I think you say. I'm sorry? Nothing to say. 
Why is that? Mr. Cullen, I asked you a question. Why is it that you have chosen not to address the court? All of the victims' families had been told that they were going to be given an opportunity to provide victim impact statements. The families of victims have been waiting, in some cases, many years to face the killer of their loved one. He did not want to have to listen to what the victims had to say, but the judge had another agenda. Before the judge decides Charles Cullen's fate, the victims' families are allowed to make impact statements. The families of victims have been waiting, in some cases, many years to be able to face the killer of their loved one. I filed a motion requesting that he be excused from sentencing. He already pled guilty. He already admitted to what he did. We knew what the result was going to be. He did not want to have to listen to what the victims had to say, but the judge had another agenda. Why don't you look at me? I don't care if you're somebody's little boy toy in prison. That would be too good for you. I want you to die tomorrow, because you know what? There ain't no doors out of hell, babe. The judge thought the victims have a right to be heard. The families need and deserve and have a right to confront this man that took away their loved ones. Serial killer Charles Cullen murdered my mother. You ruined the lives of your family, your children, and many people in this courtroom. You've bloodied and stained the medical profession. As a nurse, I am ashamed of you. In your sick mind, you broke the trust that patients place in us. This was not a merciful act. He was a devoted, funny, good, and decent man whom you robbed of the quiet and dignified death to which he was entitled. There is a part of me that would appreciate the irony of your dying by lethal injection. I was convinced he was a mercy killer until I found out about those who were not terminally ill whom he murdered. You are not just a murderer, you are a thief. You stole the last years of my father's life. Cullen didn't react. He was stone-faced. He didn't look at them. That was very, very frustrating for the families. Charles, why don't you look up at us? I'd like to show you what you did to our children. This is their dad in his coffin. How do you like that? Would you like your children to have something like this happen to them? As these family members are speaking, Charles Cullen just sat there with his eyes closed completely checked out. It was really just a coping mechanism of him reverting or regressing into his own little world so that he didn't have to deal with what was happening in front of him. I miss my son so much. I have always been so very proud of Mike and the man he had become. It was very dramatic. They they fought on. They They said what they had to say. They were not going to be deterred. Originally, Cullen did not want to appear in court today for sentencing because he would feel uncomfortable when the victims read their victim impact statements to the court. Charles Cullen, you are a coward. I am very brave for standing here today, but you yet cannot even look me in the eye and face me. Between the two states, Cullen was sentenced to 18 life terms for the murder of 29 people and the attempted murder of three more. The defendant is sentenced to life in New Jersey State Prison. Charles Cohen was able to tell the difference between right and wrong. We had him evaluated 
by one of the top forensic psychologists in America. He did not meet the definition of insane. Usually healthcare serial killers aren't psychotic. They wouldn't even get in those positions if they were psychotic. They wouldn't be able to function. They wouldn't get through school. Charles Cullen passed himself off as a successful, competent healthcare worker, a nurse. At the same time, he was a predator in the hospital system, killing people. People hear this story and they cannot understand how this individual kept being hired time and time again. What happened? It's a national problem. This individual has escaped authorities for 17 years. We did a complete criminal background check on this individual and a complete reference check on this individual. And everybody said the following, he left in good standing and his license was intact. And that's the outrageous part of this. It's time we protect patients' rights and patient safety. It is my belief that the biggest injustice involved with this case is not only the fact that Charles Cullen did what he did, his actions, but it's the fact that this monster was able to go on for so many years to kill patients. The Charles Cullen investigation uncovered the flaws in the medical system where hospitals monitor themselves without sharing information, where medical practitioners have access to medications that can be poisonous to their patients with little administrative regard to what they do. Today, hospitals have far greater security, in no small part in reaction to the murders of Charles Cullen. nurses and healthcare practitioners can report suspicious activity. It's always confidential. Every death has a review. And cameras are everywhere. But you have to ask, is it ever really enough? For more information on Notorious, go to oxygen.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.